Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's weekly program on 3CR. We're coming to you live from the studio in Fitzroy and I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This year at Friends of the Earth, we're celebrating 45 years of resistance. That's 45 years we've been mobilising communities, resisting the oppressive forces of patriarchy and capitalism, and transforming our future to be one that's peaceful and free of war crimes. My name's Megan, and with me in the studio today will be a familiar voice to our long-time listeners of Dirt Radio, and uh, also the creator of our in-show, our, our lead-in um, what's it called? <laughs> the intro. The intro. <laughs> I can't believe you're still using it. <laughs> it's Sam Castro. Welcome to the show. Hey, Megan. Thanks for having me in. Hi, listeners. Nice to be back on Dirt Radio after such a long break. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Now, today on the show, we will be talking to Ross Caputi, co-author of The Sacking of Fallujah, A People's History. Ross is currently a PhD student in history at the University of Massachusetts. He's a former Marine, sorry, a former US Marine who participated in the second siege of Fallujah and was compelled by the destruction and suffering that he helped cause to become an anti-war activist, speaker and writer. He's also the director of the People's History of Fallujah Digital Archive and in 2013 he co-founded the Isla Reparations Projects. Ross co-authored The People's History of the Assaults of Fallujah with Australian activist and writer Donna Mulhern and academic Dr Richard Hill. So as noted in the introduction of the book, this book differs from others in that it examines recent events in Fallujah and analyses the violence of the last five years as a direct legacy of the 2004 US-led attacks. It goes on to say in the introduction of the book, above all, the sacking of Fallujah is about how modern wars are waged, and in particular the use of propaganda campaigns in both legitimating military incursions and, of course, mollifying domestic audiences. So stay tuned. We'll be back with Ross after this community service announcement. Red Alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japurung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. 
The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. <laughs> oh, welcome back to Dirt Radio. Some things never change. Uh, so I want to welcome Ross, Ross Caputi for joining us. Welcome to Melbourne. Thanks for having me. First time here. Yep. You came when it's uh, incredibly cold, so yeah. <laughs> nice choice. <laughs> Next time come later in the year. Uh, Russ, I wanted to read out a quote uh, around the book uh, from Noam Chomsky. And he described the sacking of Fallujah as a groundbreaking work that cuts through the thick veils of propaganda to reveal the experiences of the victims with a depth of research and a sensitivity that is unique in its perspective and with powerful lessons for solidarity work and for the struggle for peace and justice, not only in the tortured land of Iraq, but clearly for all of us. That's quite a recommendation. Yeah, uh, uh, the book is sort of an extension of work that Donna, Richard, and I had been doing years prior. Mm. And uh, Chomsky supported us from the beginning, so he's, he's a really great guy. So I wanted to ask you that. How did a U.S. Marine end up co-authoring a book with a Sydney, uh, uh, New South Wales-based uh, Australian activist and writer? How did you guys meet and how did this project come about? Uh, Donna and I still haven't met. <laughs> Maybe we'll meet this <laughs> afternoon. I think uh, wow. we d we did everything over uh, Skype. Wow. Yeah, we did every we met over email. Yeah. Um, we knew of each other's work and just got in touch. You know. Yeah, great. So how long ago was that? We've been working on the book for for five years. Wow. And then before that, we had been in touch about one another's work because we were both sort of working to to raise awareness about the crisis of birth defects in Fallujah from all the all the war pollution. Yeah. So maybe for about two years prior to the book project, we had sort of been communicating and collaborating on different things. Great. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who know Donna Mulhern, there may be many of you listeners out there who do. Donna is an activist in Australia who was a human shield uh, during the Iraq War. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking with her later tonight at Friends of the Earth. Um, so, Ross, the introduction of your book explains that you want to tell the stories from the local community of Fallujah. Uh, I'm really curious how a US Marine who participated in an assault on Fallujah manages to gain the trust of uh, local community members to tell their stories, especially stories perhaps of resistance. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to how you managed to collect these stories. Yeah, it's a it was a slow process of, you know, earning trust and, you know, um, gaining a number of friendships who could plug me in with other people in the community. First, we just started um, trying to, to raise awareness, but like on terms that of set by people from Fallujah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I always felt the anti-war movement in the US was very domestic in its uh, perspective and put its sort of um, organizational priorities before solidarity. And uh, I always tried to do it a bit differently and work more from a, a place of solidarity. Yeah. So I think, you know, that um, starting, starting with that 
letting them set the terms, not using a, uh, a vocabulary that, that spoke well to U.S. audiences because it helped me grow membership in the organization or, or something like that. Um, so I think, you know, that sort of helped people uh, trust what I, me and what I was trying to do and saw that, like, I had genuine intentions. Did so. you go back there to collect some no, of No, I've stories? never been. I'm still not quite sure that it, it would be wise to go back, uh, not because it would be unsafe for me. It might be, but I think it would definitely be unsafe for anyone who was seen with me right. you know like all yep. it would take is one rumor and it could be very dangerous for people yeah so this was also work that was done through emails and online yeah and the diaspora there's a, there's a strong iraqi diaspora now in europe so yep. um, um a lot of the people i was working with uh, were in italy the uk other places in europe so people that are essentially fled Fallujah yeah. and made their way as yep. refugees or m migrants to other parts of the world yep Great. That's that's really interesting. Um, so you talk about stories, wanting to tell the stories of resistance. Um, I was just wondering if you could maybe share an example uh, for people about what those stories look like. One of the people we've been working most closely with is, um, I don't think that she'll have a problem with me saying her name, Dr. Samira Alani. We talk a lot about her in the book. She's the, the head of the um, children and maternity ward at the Fallujah Hospital. And since the attacks in 2004, they've had some of the highest rates of cancer and birth defects in the world. And really, like, Dr. Samira has been the leading person in not only trying to do research, but also trying to raise awareness and garner international support. Because for a lot of reasons, they just don't have the resources that they need to... to not just be able to treat people, but to do research and to try to figure out, like, what is causing all these birth defects. It, it, the general picture seems to be that war pollution has caused all these birth defects, but it's not clear if it's a specific weapon system, if it's depleted uranium weapons, if it's uh, a weapon system using enriched uranium or heavy metals. It's not It's not clear. You know, weapons using letter mercury or something like that. Yeah. It's a complicated picture. She's the one, like, on her very, like, basic salary doing all of this work, not just, like, you know, working directly with patients and trying to do research. It's, a, it's an incredible burden, and she handles it remarkably gracefully. So that, just that day-to-day that -day struggle of, you know, every day, like, witnessing these tragedies, bearing witness to these tragedies, telling those stories, and dealing with the political consequences of being an outspoken person, and that can be really serious in Iraq sometimes. Yeah. Especially for women, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, and so is she still in Iraq? She's in Iraq. She, um, yeah, she, she's been there all throughout the American occupation, the Islamic State occupation, and she's still there now working. Yeah, that takes a lot of courage yeah. and commitment. Are you seeing any similarities in the kind of uh, health issues that are coming out of Fallujah with the experience of other Marines in terms of health issues that they're experiencing? Uh, anecdotally, yeah. yeah, I've heard of uh, a few people here and there having similar symptoms, similar similar problems. There hasn't been, uh, to my knowledge, any attempt to like really like document and compile documentation of mm -hmm. the health problems of returning American veterans. So yeah, yeah, just anecdotally. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how those two correlate. Yeah, in my opinion, because it seems like all of you were exposed to a lot of yeah uh, war pollution. Yeah, I think so. The or certainly the length of exposure of time being exposed is different yeah you know but. yeah 
yeah, well, eventually, if you manage to survive being in Fallujah, you get to leave. I guess there's a lot of children there that uh, don't have that option. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to come back to um, a quote in the introduction of the book, um, slightly paraphrasing, um, but it talks about the sacking of Fallujah is about how modern wars are waged and in particular, the use of propaganda campaigns in both legitimating military incursions and yeah. mollifying domestic audiences. Um, I find this really interesting because uh, for most of the world, and I'm assuming most of the people in America that are politically engaged, uh, we're well aware of the US empire's propaganda in both its overt and covert wars uh, around the world. Uh, in particularly the... Um, first war in Iraq, the Gulf War. Um, you know, if you're as old as I am, when anyone says Gulf War, all, all I can think about is the smart bomb yeah, yeah. image of how smart it was. <laughs> it was just played over and over again across Australia. Um, and, of course, um, one of our uh, famous compadres, uh, Julian Assange, uh, at the time hacked in and discovered that they were actually blowing up factories and all sorts of other things. And... The image of the drones overhead with people surrendering to drones and stuff like that that came out of the first Gulf War. Um, the second Gulf War, um, Iraq War, uh, was very much a shock and awe campaign. Um, are the two words that anyone who you know thinks about that have stuck in their head thanks yeah. to Fox News and the Murdoch Empire. So I was um, wondering as someone who was on the ground and participated in that, what, what sort of propaganda was used and was it used... Not only, I mean, obviously for us sitting at home in our living rooms, you know, webcams on soldiers, watching invasions, it all became quite surreal. Yeah. Um, but was the propaganda also used on the local communities? And what sort of propaganda? Well, when I was there as a Marine, I, I had no idea any of this was going on. Yeah. I mean, we were being propagandized as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, one of the major propaganda campaigns was a, called a PSYOP, a psychological operation, on this guy, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi. He was mm -hmm. a really familiar face in the media around 2004, alleged to be the leader of al-Qaeda in Iraq. Uh, they claimed he was in Fallujah. In fact, this was, you know, total lie. No evidence this guy ever even set foot in Fallujah. But uh, they were even telling, saying it to us while we were in Fallujah. Apparently, this intelligence was coming from somewhere. We didn't know where. And they, they said, he's, he's two blocks away. He's wounded in the leg. You know, keep going. Keep fighting. You know, telling us this kind of stuff to, to motivate us. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't in the city. It was all made up. And this was like the major justification for the second assault on Fallujah in November of 2004, Operation Phantom Fury. And that's the one that you were engaged in. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one that I participated in. So, yeah, as, as a Marine, I had no idea any of this was going on. I was suspicious of what my command was telling me, but didn't really have enough information to sort of, like, confirm my doubts. Everything we put in the book has been done by research, not my uh, first-person uh, account. Um, the military, they call, this, they call this information operations. And the argument we make in the book that this is much more than the typical cliches you hear about information being weaponized in war... Uh, arguably, the, this is a case of um, propaganda actually being constitutive of the violence itself. Like, it had a shaping effect on the way the campaign, the, the military campaign was conducted. It sort of, like, it, it's, it shaped the goals of the military campaign. So after the, the Gulf War of 1991, like, the military really sort of, uh, the U.S. military changed its thinking about how wars are won. 
and you know it became they started there was a lot of new thinking about soft power and the necessity of what they call um, um, perception management so now like they really considered it necessary for military victory to control the way domestic and international audiences perceive U.S. military actions. Right. Hence the embedding of journalists. The embedding of journalists, yeah. the creation of these press information centers, the uh, the staging of these psychological operations like Abu Musab al-Zarqawi and all this mm. stuff. So. Yeah. So um, what about the people on the ground in Fallujah? Did they... Did they buy into the same sort of information warfare? Like, were they fearful that Al-Qaeda and, you know, killers were running around? Or was it for them, you guys are invading our city? At first, no. I mean, it, it just to totally contradicted the day-to-day -day experience of people in Fallujah. No one had mm -hmm. ever seen this guy, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi. Yeah. Like, by their eyes, the vast, vast majority of the, the resistance that they were seeing are local people, their neighbors, school teachers, mm -hmm. even people in the, the new police force were all part of the, the resistance, a nationalist resistance. There were a few people coming from outside the country, um, people that in the West we might term international jihadists, but like they didn't see Zarqawi. However, like maybe like a year or two later, all of this propaganda did sort of feed into what we've called the um, the civil war in Iraq, the war right. between Sunni and Shia. Um, that's also a complicated history, which we tried to discuss in the book. So I just wanted to wrap up <clears throat> with a couple of uh, thoughts. I mean, I think one of the my experience of the Iraq war and watching it unfold here in Melbourne on television and the internet. Um, is that the othering that took place during that war, yeah. um, the invention of sort of phantom enemies and the shift from, I guess, the Cold War um, enemy, uh, the Reds, you know, uh, in Asia and coming to get us, uh, which was fed very heavily into Australia, suddenly turned into this war on terror and this this kind of weird, intangible enemy that no one could really identify. I'm seeing that othering, of course, as we all are across the globe, play out in the rise of far right politics and yeah. in the way that we deal with people that are fleeing the bombs that we've yeah. dropped and the chaos that we've created, um, along with climate change, which, again, could be put down to the same forces. Um, so I'm, I'm curious... Um, one of the things that is said in the book is that there are lots of lessons that we as activists can learn uh, from this book and in the struggle that we're in. I'm wondering if you are seeing uh, the same connections and, and what you think um, activists can take away from reading this book, which hopefully we'll have copies of tonight. Uh, if not, we will make it available on Dirt Radio and also yeah. on Friends of the Earth. Well, I mean... Speaking most directly to my experience in the U.S. anti-war movement, uh, I think we, we still really need to learn to listen to our victims, listen to the people who we're occupying and uh, who we're turning into, into refugees. A, a lot, there's a lot of a, a strong tendency in the U.S. to speak for these kind of people and explain in our own political language why they're doing the things that they do. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, um, above all, this is a lesson in, in listening. That's a really good point and, and not something that the US Empire does very, very often. Uh, and also a respect of actual solidarity. Uh, I think we're nearly out of time. How are we doing, Megan? Yeah, that's just about out of time. So, Ross, um, 
Would you like to tell us where we can find your book um, for people that uh, are interested? Oh, I know it's uh, it's available online. I think uh, yeah. UMass UMass Press. You can find the the website for UMass Press. If anyone wants to contact us directly, then uh, I believe we have some um, discount flyers or a discount code that we can hand out. Great. Well, we'll um, chase those details up with you and we'll put it in the show notes uh, from the show today. You can also learn more online about the book. There is a website, The Sacking of Fallujah. Yep. uh, .org. .com. Uh, Just Google The Sacking of Fallujah. It will bring it up. And, of course, tonight uh, we'll be continuing this conversation with Donna, also president of Friends of the Earth. And what time's that, Sam? That starts at 6, but we know you're all always late, so we said 6. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a 15-minute grace period. There will be snacks and uh, drinks by donation, and it's upstairs at Friends of the Earth in the Yammy Lester room. Yep, which is always a pleasure to go to now. It is. It's a beautiful space. If you haven't been in, you should come check it out. And thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ross. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great to have you. (laughs) Thanks for getting up and coming in, Ross. The Renegade Pub Football League proudly presents its inaugural Pride Round, Paint in Victoria Park, Rainbow, on Saturday, August 24th. Celebrating diversity in pub football, this free community event offers a laid-back afternoon of gender-inclusive Aussie Rules football, alongside DJs and a charity barbecue. Saturday, August 24th, gates open at 12.30. For more information, including pub footy's August and September fixture, visit www.rpfl.com.au. The Renegade Pub Football League is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Dirt Radio. Uh, You're here with Megan and Sam, and we've been talking to Ross Caputi, the co-author of The Sacking of Fallujah, A People's History. He and Donna, again, will be speaking at Friends of the Earth tonight at 6pm in the Yami Lester Room to continue the conversation about uh, what happened on the ground in Fallujah uh, back in 2004. Of course, if you miss the interview or any of our shows, you can always catch up on the podcast available from 3cr.org.au slash dirtradio. And in the show notes today, we'll um, put the details for where you can get a discount code to Ross's book. Uh, so the Radiothon is just about over, but it's not too late to uh, pay for your pledge or um, to donate to help us reach that $250,000 target. Uh, you can call up now on 94198377 to help keep Radical Radio on the air. And coming up at Friends of the Earth this week, we have uh, tomorrow morning banner drop for the Doncaster Rail. Do you want better public transport? Come for a banner drop every Wednesday morning starting tomorrow morning at 7.30 on the Eastern Freeway in North Bolwyn. The North East Link will bring more traffic and congestion to the Eastern Freeway, so join us to stop this. Let's hashtag get on board Vic. That's tomorrow morning on the Eastern Freeway at 7.30 in North Bolwyn. And tomorrow night, it's a busy day, uh, we've got the Get Shit Done Facilitation Training. Want to know how to have a great anti-hierarchical meetings that use consensus decision-making to get shit done? (laughs) 
This workshop will cover what is facilitation, what are some facilitation micro skills, and what makes a great meeting. That's tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Uh, in the Yami Lester Room at Friends of the Earth. And finally, um, this weekend we're continuing our regular Saturday afternoon documentaries with the Wick vs Queensland documentary screening. Wick vs Queensland was is a landmark feature documentary surrounding the historical court decision in 1996 by the High Court of Australia, granting native title to Wick, to the Wick people of Cape York and the demonstration that followed at the hands of politicians and media. Believe. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I, do, I do believe it was demonization of um, the weak people. But yeah. it could be a demonstration as well. <laughs> well, a demonstration of demonization. Mm, come along on 2 pm to find out. Uh, on Saturday at 2 pm to find out. Um, and if you haven't heard the. Uh, if you've been following. Uh, the Dirt Radio this year. We have been keeping up to date with what's been happening at the Japarung Embassy. And last week they were issued an eviction notice mm. for next Thursday next week. So it's all hands on deck at this stage. Um, they are calling for supporters to come out to camp and get prepared uh, for the eviction of the camps. Uh, which would be devastating for the Japarung people and for those sacred trees that they've been protecting for so long now. So if you haven't already, um, get out to camp. Uh, it's on the Western Highway. It's only a couple of hours out and there's a Facebook page with carpooling. Yep, yep. yep. Carpools to camp. Search that on Facebook. Um, and it's about 10 kilometres before you get to Ararat on the Western Highway. You'll see it as you drive past. So stop in at Top Camp and find out what you can do to help. Uh, so that brings us just about to the end of the show. How was it being back, Sam? It's great. I've missed this little studio. It's ah. so nice to be here. So thanks for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime, Sam. Thank you. And I believe you're going to play some... Izzy Brown Combat Wombat to go out. That's right. We have got just across the border to take us out for the week. So that's just about all we've got time for. We'll see you next week. See ya. Primates move in, what were we doing? Besides looting and rogue, got me recruiting. Where when the hell was straight off the dome? Left to seas for their place to call home. We know now.
Because their life is cheap and yours is subsidised Are you a soldier or are you a child? Is that my daughter? Is that your son? Lying in the ditches, red blood runs Is that my daughter? Is that your son? Finger on the trigger of a loaded gun Just doing my thing, now that dream. 